What does motion sound like? With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, it sounds a little something like this. Experience the magic of motion. Get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Why is it that with sparkling water, I'm always playing guessing games with what flavor I'm drinking? Is it citrus? Is it aluminum can flavored? Mm, not sure. Sparkling ice, though, they really mean flavor. Like in-your-face flavor. Orange mango, black raspberry. Don't even get me started on the strawberry lemonade. Kiwi Strawberry slid right into my taste buds DMs last night and let them know who's boss. No subtleties there and no sugar either. But it does have vitamins and antioxidants. Find sparkling ice at a major grocery store or club retailer near you. Sparkling ice. Anything but subtle. This is the Bloody Disgusting Podcast Network. Prepare yourself for the most gruesome and grotesque horror film experience of them all. Boils and ghouls, lock your doors and strap yourselves in. From Los Angeles, California, Bloody Disgusting presents the Boo Crew Podcast. Horror news, commentary, reviews, interviews, and more. With your hosts, Lauren and Trevor Shand and Leone D'Antonio. I'm Leo. I'm Lauren. I'm Trevor, and we are the Boo Crew. Welcome to episode 300 and... Let me see. 28. 328 episodes. That's a lot. That's pretty insane. God, time flies. Yeah, it sure does. I, and especially, I guess this is the second episode we released this week. And the first one we've recorded together live off the floor that wasn't uh, strictly an interview in a very long time. Too long. Way too long. Yeah. We've been busy. Yeah, right? yeah it has been. We, we saw each other... In person here in this studio for Spencer Charnis's appearance and that taping, which was a few weeks ago because he's now in Europe. I, I, at time of release, I think he's still there. That wow. tour wraps up, I think, this weekend, and yeah. he's back. And then we're gonna we're gonna take him out and have some fun with Spencer too. Yes, we are. We're we're going to prop store. Yeah, it's like a dream come true. I've never taken them shopping. Yeah. <laughs> well, you're coming too, Leo. You're coming too, right? Actually, you all are coming. Yeah, with. we're all going to be there. <laughs> and you listening are coming with That's too. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah. Whether you like it or not. <laughs> we're going to use it as an episode of an upcoming uh, Boo Crew television show. Yeah, it's it's a really amazing place. So all the stuff's going to be on display for this auction. It's yeah. happening at the end of the month, so it's a lot of screen-used horror movie and sci-fi props that are going up to the auction block, and we're going to show Spencer or walk him through some of the stuff. What What are some of the things that you think Spencer's going to like the most? Oh, well, there <laughs> there's two knives from Scream, the most recent Scream, Radio Silent Scream, mm-hmm. and then the OG Scream, and they're so cool when you see them up close, and then there's that bust which is like a Freddy sweater with his glove going through it. And then on the back, like if you turn it around, you can see the back of the hand or the arm, which is really cool. That's from Freddy versus Jason. Yes. And then Freddy versus Jason, Pamela Voorhees 
head, which is really, really creepy. And you can see it if you watch the movie, you can see it perfectly there. It's like the same one. It's so cool. And then maybe some things from Sleepy Hollow, which I love and Child's Play, one of them. But yeah, we're going to pull some really cool props that I don't think have been pulled before that we're really going to get into it. Some deep cuts. That's right. Yeah, Leo, it's going to be fun. So we're going to do that next week and then it'll be out pretty soon too to watch because the auction's coming up fast. Yes. June 21st through 24th. Got it. So you have that to look forward to. And this episode that we're about to get into today is an interview we recently did with writer-director Molly Elfman and actor Katie Parker. And they put together a new movie called Next Exit that's having its premiere at Tribeca on the 10th, which is today, right? It's so good. I was kind of telling someone it's like a ghost story in reverse. Would you say that's a good a good way to explain it? Yeah, I did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's got a lot of heart in it, which I loved. It's just well written. It was funny. And I cried. So, yeah, I think it's so Raul Coley stars in it, who is yeah. Sheriff, Sheriff Hassan on um, Midnight Mass. And he's been and also our favorite uh, bunny, uh, punny chef from uh, Bly Manor. Yes, <laughs> that's right. That's right. <laughs> yeah. And this is an incredible performance from him. Him and Katie. It's basically them for the whole yeah. film. They basically, yeah, carry their the, the whole film. And it's all convers it's all dialogue between them. And it's Yeah, Katie killed it. Yeah. I think like career bests yes. from from both of them. Yeah. So great. Yeah, they both did, yeah. Karen Gillen, of course, yes. is in it as well. And she's hilarious. It's so funny. Yeah. And I'd seen because uh, Molly has that project Fun Size Horror that oh, she's yeah, been involved really with wherever cool. and Katie actually as well too where they make um, and produce horror shorts and they act and direct in them as well and um, in one of them remember we watched Karen Gillan directed one it was so funny the conventional I think <laughs> yeah. it was called about like uh, Leo was about she plays this actress Rachel Milligan who stars in a horror series called Axe Wound <laughs> And she's on the convention circuit. So it was Axe Wound 2. So she's, you know, it's basically a day in her life at a convention doing those, yeah, you know, you sit at the table and you sign autographs. And that, that was going on at Monster Palooza, the convention we're about to talk about. But it was a That's really, funny. really funny take on on that whole lifestyle, I guess, right? Yeah. No, does, she, does she shoot that at one of the conventions? Did it look like it? No. no. They made it look like it. It, it was, it, it's pretty accurate. It's one of the kids screaming through the door right now um let me check let, yeah we'll check <laughs> yeah you the listener and bleeding or yeah, something. this is like you the listener are in the room with us and we're we're really letting you in behind the curtain for this one is there is there a child at the at the bookcase she's checking no we're safe okay i don't even think i'll cut this out i'm gonna try and make this like kind of edit free like just free form because it's been so long since we've done anything like this it's kind of right. funny that it's like, hey, is there a child screaming? It's like, no. Right. But no word that, hey, your place is fucking haunted. No, no, let's just let's just skip over that. Nobody's bleeding. Nobody's crying. Let's forget about that. If it's a ghost, it's all right. It's one of our right. kids. Oh, there's a problem. Yeah. yeah. Oh, my right. God. Anyway, so we'll get into that interview. It's really, really fun. It's one of those interviews where it sucks to have a time limit because you want to talk to them all day, all night. Yeah. So we're going to set up something yeah. again with Molly and Katie because they are just the best. 
And I can't wait for you listening to see Next Exit. And right now, go revisit the Fun Size Horror stuff. If you haven't seen Katie Parker's work, go see Absentia. Get your hands on, obviously, Haunting of Hill House mm-hmm. and all of her projects. Bly Manor and The Fall of the House of Ushers coming out. and uh, Midnight Club coming out as well. So a lot. Yeah, a lot all of sorts stuff. of stuff. And, and Raul Coley yeah. as well. We wanted to just do a quick wrap up of our experience at Monster Palooza. Lauren, do the rewind sound. What is it? There you go. All right. We just realized that we just talked a lot. Yeah, we like <laughs> this is us. Sounds like a cat. I know. Hey, I was singing, rewinding. Should I stay or should I go? Well, now now they're really confused. Whoever's listening is really confused. Oh my god! So gosh. what we're doing? What what's happening now is we're from the future, and we just came to interrupt ourselves introducing this episode because we realized what you're about to hear took way too long. <laughs> right. It took right. way too long. We've recorded it. Yes. We're in the future. We've recorded our talk about Monster Palooza, and it's so long that we we still want to do Molly and Katie the the what the decency of featuring their extraordinary movie before you have to listen to us yap about Monster Palooza because we went way too long. Yeah. <laughs> so so yes. we're gonna get into the interview with Molly and Katie right now. And then after the interview, we're going to come back and we're going to blab about Monster Palooza and all the extraordinary people we met and the fun time we had. If you're interested in that, please stick and stay. So are you asking people to end their lives? I'd say this is a beginning for some. When's your appointment? Seven days. Mine's in five. Or maybe we could help each other. And killing each other. Wow. Getting to Dr. Stevenson's. It is irrefutable. Our consciousness continues beyond our physical bodies. At our institute, we now bridge participants daily from this world to the next. I want my life to mean something. I mean, it's not just the end. It's the beginning. So this is supposed to be goodbye? No, I'll I'll come back and haunt you. That's all we need. Another victim crawls onto the gurney for a Boo Crew autopsy. Joining Bloody Disgusting's Boo Crew via the Speakeasy Studio are two exceptional and powerful creators. She is an award-winning filmmaker and actor who continually draws audiences in to not only wrap them into the journey of a story, but to immerse themselves inside of them. She does this through her passionate forays into the world of augmented reality experiences and theater. She made international news with Arcana, a mysterious dark adventure that sent you falling into elegantly dug rabbit holes and puzzles during the early days of the pandemic, created three of the Overlook Film Festival's famed horror experiences and more. Not only has she produced dozens of short films and features, including Mike Flanagan's Before I Wake, Scare Package, and earning a BAFTA nomination for Karen Gillan's The Party's Just Beginning in 2018, she uses her voice to raise those of others, with an emphasis on elevating and supporting other female horror filmmakers through things like co-founding Fun Size Horror, crafting hundreds of shorts, and having them amplified on the world's biggest content providers and festival theaters. Several of these, not only as producer, but writer, director, and actor herself. Also here with us, a startlingly talented actor who has this 
intangible ability of igniting our imaginations with the unforgettable performances and characters that have very much defined a decade of the very best in TV and film. Her debut is in the 14-time award-winning Absentia, followed by the Emmy-winning Masters of Sex for Showtime, Halt and Catch Fire, Doctor Sleep, the Emmy-nominated Haunting of Bly Manor, and The Haunting of Hill House for Netflix. It became a cultural phenomenon and changed the way horror stories are told on television forever. A major centerpiece of the show being her portrayal of Poppy Crane, who she brought to life between the lines of her playful, nightmarish poetry. In all her work, she continues to show her tremendous depth and versatility across all genres and has that magical ability to make the edges of the screen fade away as you surrender yourself to the story to walk away entertained, enlightened, terrified, but always with something that you didn't have before because that's what truly great storytellers do. Together, their new project is about a day where life after death is proven to exist, ghosts are real, and we, the audience, are put into the back seat of the car of two strangers who are taking a road trip to become ghosts themselves. It is a phenomenal film called Next Exit and makes its world premiere at Tribeca June 10th. We are honored to welcome its writer-director Molly Elfman and star Katie Parker. Yeah. Wow! What an intro! Oh my god! I've never felt cooler in my whole life! Oh, what are you talking about? My gosh! Thank yeah. you both again for taking time to talk to us and Congratulations yeah. on this absolutely wonderful film. So before we always do this, before we get into the film, before we get into Next Exit, and Next Exit has kind of like a poetic elegance of horror baked into its DNA, I would say, but veers into very delightfully unexpected and emotional places. And you both have such lush backgrounds in the horror genre. We'd love to hear about one of your earliest experiences that you remember being exposed to horror as a viewer and how that made you feel. And we could start with Molly. Mm-hmm. Oh, man. Um, yeah, I, I do think that there is kind of some horror baked in, but this isn't necessarily a horror film. And I think that's because I love all things horror and all things genre. Um, it's always been something that spoke to me. I think one of my earliest memories was Poltergeist. Uh, I'm pretty sure I saw that when I was about seven or eight. My sister was six years older than me, so she was watching it, and I snuck into the room. And I remember just being terrified of it and needing to watch it again and again and again. So it became the film that, like, my parents were like, is this okay? Oh, she seems all right. Um, <laughs> and so, I, again, you have ghosts, you have a haunting. And one of my favorite things about Poltergeist is some of the humor that's in that movie. You know, the chairs moving around the kitchen and the comedy and laughing out loud and being able to have those moments of humor and also dealing with eternal or inter, in, eternal, eternal, internal, both struggles. Uh, you know, that's where ghosts tend to live is in the eternal and internal. Um, but, but being able to tackle that and being able to have fun. I remember even at a young age, while I was terrified, having so much fun in that movie and being like, I want to do that. Very cool. That's a great answer. Nice. And how about you, Katie? Yeah. The first horror movie I ever saw was the exorcist. And I remember like really preparing to, to see it. Um, and then really loving it like really like thinking it was like a beautiful piece of cinema and I was you know a young person maybe like 12 or 13 when I saw it and I sort of had this like 
I didn't really understand horror really until I met Mike when I first moved to LA. But I think I, I, I had this stereotype of horror that it was a guy with an ax and women were getting chopped up and it felt fetishy and cruel and like not scary to me. It felt gross. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't until I met Mike and started to blend what, I would call maybe like supernatural or being sensitive. I grew up on the East coast in Virginia. I went to school around Jamestown, Williamsburg and learning about history there and having a sense of ghosts there through history that horror, the space of horror started to make more sense to me and that the genre that I thought was the genre of filmmaking, the horror space of filmmaking is actually like, it's like a, it's a different thing. And now, like through Molly's movie, through Mike Flanagan's work, you're starting to see this like blended version of what horror is mm-hmm. and how it portrays our, our traumas and our fears of the unknown. And that's been my growing experience of it. Have either one of you had a paranormal experience? How much time you get? <laughs> Amazing. Um, actually, I, I, ironically, this film has opened me up to. I, I feel like one of the most beautiful things about this film is I was in a very vulnerable place when I wrote it. I was in a very vulnerable place when I made it, and I've been able to maintain being in that very vulnerable and open space and tackle some of those things that I wanted to do. And the thing that I am currently writing is when I was young. I grew up in a house that was notoriously haunted. It was called the murder house. And uh, when I went to school and kids found out I was living in it, they said, Oh, you live in the murder house. And there was a spirit, but there was also other things that were happening in that house that I'm slowly kind of picking away at why I don't look at ghosts the same way that others do. And I think it's because for me, they were kind of a part of my life from before I could understand that they were. And they were never something that was terrifying, um, but they were always something that was present. So, yeah, um, I'm wondering, like, I can get it. There's a lot of honestly, like, it's funny. My mom, my sister and I all have stories and none of us shared them while we lived in that house. It was like this secret that we all kept, but we all knew. But I mean, there was the there was there was footsteps regularly. Uh, the biggest thing was a pane of glass. Uh, we had added glass to the outside of the house but the inside glass was original and one day i'll never forget my mom and i are sitting watching tv and all of the animals come running down the hallway and we had three dogs two cats two guinea pigs two birds oh my god all come running towards us and it's quite a sight and we go in (laughs) and the glass was shattered but it was shattered only on the inside not on the outside and there were five bullet holes and the woman had been shot right there in that spot and there was five (gasps) bullet holes Uh, and all that i remember and this should tell you about my life is that my mom covered it up so it was right before christmas and she's like don't tell anybody they won't come to the party (laughs) 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 that's kind of like the way that like ghosts were treated in my life and so it wasn't like call the exorcist it was like don't tell anybody because they might not come to the party and i really want to throw a good party so i think that speaks a lot to kind of my ghost experiences i am very sensitive to stuff um I don't, I, I wish I were even more sensitive or I had control over it. I don't. It just appears at times. So this film really catches the world up to where you're already at. 
And yeah, that's, <laughs> that's actually exactly why I did that. Because I was like, and that's why there's these elements of religion and politics and spirituality and all. I wanted to incorporate all of those because all of those have been a part of my trying to figure it out. And all of them are relevant, but also all of them don't really matter. At the end of the day, this thing is real. And what does that mean for humanity? Yeah. And that's where I want to start. Yeah. And that's, I mean, that's what we get in the opening of the film, basically, is what what that causes, like what that understanding, how that affects absolutely everything. You know, it's as profound as figuring out that aliens exist or whatever, you know, and the trickle down effect and what that does and eventually what that does at these two people. Before yeah. we get into it more, Katie, how about you? Any paranormal experiences that uh, that you've had? I, I definitely feel sensitive to to energy, you know, which is when something shifts or when like, and sure, you could, you know, science can explain it as, as well. You know, I sort of teeter in that place of being like agnostic and atheist. And I, I'm not really sure. I did have an experience. I was working on a horror movie. This was right after Absentia. I was shooting in a haunted penitentiary in uh, we were in ups or West Virginia, upstate New York. I can't West Virginia. I was with um, Kane Hodder and Tony Todd. <laughs> wow. And we were in the, this penitentiary and we were in this room called the sugar shack, which is where they would put all these inmates in, and the, the police officers or the um, penitentiary correction officers would make bets on them and they would like have them fight each other. Oh it was God. brutal. And I was, you know, with these two big guys with me and we were like, nah, can't go in there. Like you can just feel this like weight and this grief. And is it a paranormal experience? I don't know, but there's certainly this like, oh, like it's tap, you tap into something where it's like, I can't, mm, no. Ah." Right, right. (laughs) That's been my experience. And your history together uh, both Molly and, and Katie, it goes back pretty far. I mean, Katie, you were vo- involved in some of the fun size horror stuff, at least as far as 2014 when you were in Michael May's uh, Entity yeah. short, which is awesome. Yeah. So yeah. How, how did your paths cross? Mike Flanagan. Um, it was... Uh, I, Let Mike Bacon step out of the way. It's going to be like... <laughs> Who's connected through Mike Flanagan? Yeah, he he had made Absentia, obviously, with Katie in it. I was at Sonoma Film Festival, and I saw the film, and I was like, I want to work with you. And he saw my first film, Do Not Disturb, and he wanted to work with me. And so we started to work together uh, for a while. And uh, one of the films that still hasn't been made uh, was uh, Katie was cast in, and we did a reading of it, and we got to meet at that reading. And I was just so blown away by her, so blown away by Absentia. So we kind of stayed friends after that and build our, built our own friendship. And that film has yet to happen. And then Mike and I got to make Before I Wake. Uh, and then both of our trajectories have gone where they've gone in many different ways. But uh, I think Mike was also a big reason why I started writing this back in the day. He was always one who was pushing me to write. And he was like, and pushing me to direct as well as Katie, as well as Karen, as well as Rose McIver, as well as everybody kind of forced me to do this movie. So it wasn't even of my own. I, I, I wanted to, but they were, they kind of said I had to. Hmm. And then I did. <laughs> and that's, I mean, that's something that you continue to do uh, to this day is again, trying to elevate the voices of others. How important is it to not only have an advocate, but to be an advocate? I think it's everything. Um, you know, I, I, the only reason 
it takes luck. It takes talent. It takes hard work. It takes all of that, but it also takes the support of those around you. Um, and I know when I met Karen, for instance, Karen Gillen, uh, and she, she worked with Mike on Oculus and I, I got to meet her back then, uh, because we were preparing the film that still hasn't happened. And, uh, I ended up Mike, she asked Mike to make it. And he said, I'm not the right person. Molly is. And then, uh, so I read that and the power of somebody saying, yes, you can. And I have your back while you do it is kind of night and day because, especially when you are a writer director and now I've gotten to experience this on my own, it is so isolating and so terrifying when you have your heart and brain on a platter with all the scars exposed and to have somebody say, don't worry, you're okay. is sometimes what can make it or break it. Um, and it is that simple. Uh, and for me, I, I consider myself a storyteller as you can see, like through, I, I love immersive storytelling. I love ARGs. I love filmmaking. I, I, I don't want, I don't really care what medium I work in. And I, I would love to continue to directing. That is the plan, but I also love producing because the most important thing is when you hear a story that you know needs to be in the world to do whatever you can to make sure that it does. But yeah, I, I'm incredibly lucky to have the support team that I have around me at all times. I'm just, yeah, very, very blessed in that way. What would you say are some of the first things you noticed about Katie that made her sing to you? Uh, maybe it's the fact that she was singing to me. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it was the dancing. It was all the movement. The movement of Um, I think the thing that I was always very impressed with with Katie is, first of all, she's a chameleon. Uh, she's a real, like sometimes you see actors who perform and you can kind of tell who they are. Every single time she appears on screen, she completely evolves. And this is a, somebody who knows her inside and out. And sometimes you can like see the pieces. And I'm like, oh, when she showed up as Poppy, I just remember being like, who is this woman? And I love her. <laughs> But she she keeps doing that over and over again. And she's a lot of times it is very easy when you are going into something to cast the person who is just naturally right. And, you know, can play the role. It makes your life so much easier. I don't think that was Rose for Katie in a lot of ways. But I knew that Katie knew how to do the work to get there and would be willing to do that. And I, I really feel like who the actress that was going to step into that role was going to be dangled off of the cliff uh, very uncomfortably the entire time. And I would hold their hand and they would have to trust me. And I think because of our relationship and because we are people who share poetry with one another and stories and intimate life that I knew that we could do that together and, and, and grow Rose together, which is something that I really felt we got the opportunity to do. Mm, certainly. And Katie, I'll throw this to you. What about Molly's creative energy resonated with you? Why, why do you feel drawn to it? It was my dance moves, wasn't it? It was <laughs> her sweet dance moves. Uh, <laughs> um, I'm, I'm really attracted to, to people who are like Renaissance creatives, if you will. Like I, I like people who have their toes in many different kinds of art forms. And Molly certainly is somebody who lives her creative life in, in that way. Um, I had read a lot of Molly's work prior to reading Next Exit. Um, I love being in conversation with Molly. Molly always challenges me to think in ways that I wouldn't typically think. Um, she's really kind. She's really funny. She's really musical. So just her as a person was so like invigorating to me. Um, that and and seeing all like the work that she's 
produced and then reading her her own personal work simultaneously i was one of those people that was like why aren't you directing like this is just like you just are a director you know but that was my pull to to working with her that she challenges me you know and and i knew she would and i and i believed in her her vision like she's got a very specific vision and she's confident and i liked that Molly, what inspired you to write the script and tell the story of Rose and Teddy on this mysterious journey? Where did the idea come from? I mean, very much two characters, both who can't handle life, one who wants a way out and one who wants a way in is how I always saw them. And as two sides of kind of exploring what I was going through, um, I started writing this about 10 years ago. Uh, I was getting divorced. I was in my own dark place and trying to figure out what this dynamic meant for me uh, and this new life and kind of having this rebirth that I was about to go through. And then I kept putting the script down. There was other projects that would come up, other things. I never thought of it as important. I just knew it was important to me. And then as it started to grow and as I said, every single time that I would have something in my life that would happen that I, I couldn't get out of, that would I would get stuck in, that I would get trapped in. I kept coming back to this script and this script would give me hope and it would give me answers to what I needed. And then when COVID first hit and I was so horribly stressed out and I, I saw how one little change in our world can have this huge ripple effect. It brought me back to next exit. Cause that's kind of the exact conversation that we're having, right? You change one thing and then you watch what happens mm-hmm. uh, in all of these different ways and how people respond uh, and it was important for me to deal with the the fear that I had at my and that anxiety that I was dealing with. But I also wanted to do it in a way, be honest to that darkness, but also do it in a way that was hopefully fun and hopefully could allow people to find some light, to find some hope, which is why I think I didn't make a pure horror film. It was because in that moment, what I really needed was a way out of the darkness. Right. Yeah. I mean, one of the things that brings the audience in is that I think, we all have had those moments <laughs> where we are Rose and or Teddy, uh, who are people, like you said, they're so fundamentally damaged and, and depressed, but is it is that spark of humor that they each have that ignites both their fire when they're together. And I guess, tell us a bit about the broader theme of humor in the piece and like how it works in the confines of what you were trying to convey. <laughs> I mean, I'm not funny. I'm not a funny person at all. I don't think that I'm funny. I'm... I love situational humor and I love setting things up and I love, I love that type of stuff, but it was imperative. It's, it's funny because we, it's imperative for me in this darkness to find this light. And oftentimes when I have been in some of the darkest places and going through horrible things, finding those moments that just make you laugh, bring you back to life and bring you back to being open to that. And I also think that it's imperative. There are times when I really wanted to, let people laugh so that then when we went into the emotional things, they felt safe and comfortable that I, that they were going to be taken care of, that this is not a film that is going to be aggressive towards its audience and try to hurt its audience. This is a film that actually is trying to understand and allow you to go there, but then also to say it's okay to come out of it as well. Beautiful. Leo, follow up with your question for Katie. Katie, both you and Rahul have such great chemistry together throughout this film. It just feels so organic as the film progresses, uh, which I really, really loved. Did you both get to improvise some lines or scenes in the movie? Yeah. Yeah, we did. Rahul's um, one of the most talented actors I've ever 
worked with. I had known him for a few years prior to Bly Manor, actually, because I go way back with Rose McIver. They were on iZombie together. So I had met Rahul through Rose McIver. (laughs) Um, So we had a little bit of a history and just there's always like an ease there with our relationship. Um, And then when Mike cast him in Bly Manor, I, I didn't get to work with him then. Um, but I got to see him play a part I had never seen him do before. So when Molly wanted to cast him as Teddy, I was really excited about that. Um, in terms of our chemistry, I think it just happened organically. You know, it's like some people you just vibe with, some people you don't. And he and I um, had a real ease and respect for each other and, and each other's individual acting process and um, what we were trying to do with our characters. He was just a, a delight. Yeah. Molly, do you remember the first time that you saw Rose and Teddy come to life? What moment that was and how you felt? You know, what was amazing is there was a, we did a zoom because this is uh, all we could do beforehand. Well, first of all, I had, I had talked with Katie, Katie and I went through every single line of the script. I had to tell her what I was thinking, why I was thinking it. We crafted the way that Rose would walk the, the everything. And then Rahul was like this spontaneous. He's in the moment. He wants to come in fresh, just this exact opposite. And the first time that I saw them on a zoom together and I saw that kind of like both hit one another yeah, and then they the both spiraled into this, like they both like, were like, Oh, you're the opposite of me. Yes. And they just like, I always say it felt like I was like igniting two tornadoes and then like sending them off into a perfect storm together. But that's what it felt like. They were different. And because of their differences, I felt like when you put those two together, you got that natural chemistry, which was just, it was really fun to just kind of like, I feel like sometimes light a fuse on either side and watch it take over. Um, And both of them were so game and both of them were so respectful both to each other And also to the script and the process, which I think is very important. So there are some amazing ad libs in there, but I remember both of them would come up to me beforehand and be like, is it okay if I do that now? And I love, I'm, I'm like, it's a blueprint and they were being so good on like every single word. And I'm like, I I loved it when they brought in some of their own life. They, they, especially as they were on the road and we were driving from Kansas city through Oklahoma, Texas, New Mexico, like, they became these characters and then we started to flow together and it was really exciting to see what just naturally occurred. So you said going on this road trip. So what was the challenges of doing that? Did you, was it like guerrilla style? Did you just kind of run and gun and show up in these places or did you have to book all these different studios and things? Cause you're really, you're literally like traversing route 66 throughout this thing. Yeah, literally we did. Um, I, it, who would do that? Who would do that in the middle of a pandemic? That's just a crazy <laughs> right? idea. Um, oddly, I think it actually what it, what the beauty of it and what I pitched to the producers and for some reason they bought it um, was we had to pod. There was just we had no outside sources. People weren't able to go home. They weren't able to do all that stuff. So it actually, in terms of COVID, kept us much safer. Sure. And once we were all there and we had all been testing for a few weeks, it actually, we were kind of this little bubble traveling through this incredibly scary time, January, February, 2021, kind of united as this group. Um, it was tiny and I knew I was going to have to do that. So it was a 17 person crew. 
It was our actors. Everybody wore a lot of hats. Uh, a lot of the locations that we got to, uh, I saw them the day before I would shoot there. So I had a shot list in mind. I had a plan. And then I had to be able to move with the reality of the situation and yeah. literally feel the way the wind was blowing and which way the sun was shining and go with it. So it was both. It was having a very specific plan and then being able to move the second that you needed to and, and trusting that instinct of when you needed to move. And Katie, two very profound scenes happen consecutively after an important moment at a bar in a parking lot. And yeah. it's, it's very much the opposite vibe of kind of the humorous back and forth of the confessional, you know, confessing to each other in the car after the church scene and everything. And here you get this really emotional scene that is really the heart of the film. The, those two scenes I'm talking about. How did it feel on that day creating that moment for you and Raul? I, I was really nervous about that scene that takes place right after the bar. Um, I didn't want to do what Molly was asking of me. I knew I had to. I knew that was required when I read the script. Um, I, I think I'm always afraid of the explosive parts of myself, right? Because they feel ugly and shameful. So in some ways, it was exciting to get to ignite that in a, in a character, and I wanted to please my director and I wanted to serve the scene that she wrote, but I was so nervous to do it. And I was nervous to also like receive from Rahul, you know, like we both really had to reveal. And that's the scariest part of being an actor is like, well, I'm just going to go a hundred miles an hour in this direction and hope that everybody can hold space for it. Yeah, that was <laughs> and I might look crazy and ugly and scary, or it's going to be funny or whatever, but that's a part of making creative choices. Yeah. I was scene. crying during that scene. Yeah. I was just yeah. like, yeah, yeah, it's intense. Yeah, and it was following powerful. that, following that we get, one of my favorite lines in the film that you say in the bed is uh, I got a self-destruct button in my heart and it's fucking irresistible, which is a incredible piece of writing. Uh, Molly, yeah. talk about coming yes. up with that line. Yeah. Well, I have a self-destruct button in my heart and sometimes it's irresistible. <laughs> I think we all had that button though, no. right? Um, yeah. I mean, those sequences in particular are, are just such raw emotional. Uh, I, I, like I said, I, I think I, when writing these scenes, um, you know, one of my like deep, dark secrets that I, I, I only just told Katie recently is like, I kind of see Rose as my inside and how I feel. And I see Teddy as how I present mm -hmm. a little bit more. Like a lot of times people see me as so fun and exciting and, and up there, but oftentimes I'm feeling what Rose is feeling. And, and balancing those two characters. And so when people say it's a love story, I'm like, it's kind of a self love story. Yeah. Um, and a way of exploring that, uh, at least for me, uh, a lot of times I would set up a scene uh, where I knew where I wanted to start and I knew the things and I just let the characters speak to one another. Um, and a lot of these characters came from uh, what Katie had talked about poetry that I had written over the years in those moments of just what it felt like. And I'm pretty sure that was a moment in which I knew that I had ruined my own marriage back in the day. And it was a poem that I had written and I transformed it into a monologue. And that was just my truth. Mm. I don't have any like great epiphanies other than it just, it, it's what it felt yeah. like. Yeah. A great line that 
tempers that too and offers that polarity and hope you're talking about is that moment where they meet uh jack jack with the jack right <laughs> when they when they right. say uh they say something like oh you know they you know someone everybody basically this whole thing uh so, so that you know life beyond is kind of starting its own pandemic of people going well if there's life after death what what really matters if i if i pass away and people deciding that that might be a better alternative than actually staying the course and they do meet uh, someone in the road, not to give any spoilers away, but something happens and then they say, well, he, he, there's got to be a better way than that. I, I think Rose and uh, Teddy are like, what, a better way to take your own life? And they said, no, 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 uh, a better way to live. That is kind of the, the centerpiece message of the, of the whole film. Would you say that that moment had that effect for you, too, just putting that in there? I mean, that's exactly what that line is there for. I mean, that's that's. That is the film is it. And it's funny that it comes through, uh, you know, me not being a very religious person, but also wanting to find the hope in religion and wanting to find the goodness in all of these different characters that they meet. And uh, for me, that is the point of the film is uh, we fixate on why we aren't doing things, how we can't do things that we forget that how to live. Uh, and we're constantly trying to, avoid many painful things that we're so worried about that if we deal with or if we don't deal with that it's going to cause us to get trapped in a certain place when really what we need to do is confront the things that scare us the most and that's actually living and that's actually life and so that's a very small little piece towards the beginning of the film that i feel like we actually get to grow to by the end yeah certainly certainly the boo crew will be right back An American werewolf in London. It's from the director of Animal House. But I'll tell you, it's a whole different kind of animal. This one will eat your heart out. Hey, take it from Wolfman Jack. See an American werewolf in London, rated R. Under 17, not admitted without parent. wanted to touch on the uh, just the opening scene of the film and creating that moment of starting in the total total darkness and going to that doorway it, it seems like one complete shot and it's really beautifully done as we see the, the little kid we see the empty space we follow that into the camera's view of what he's actually seeing we pull out and we're in this newscast and the people watching the newscast even the beautiful shot talk about just building that scene for us Oh, God, I had that in my head from jump. I wanted that so badly. And everybody was like, <laughs> it was one of those ones where it's like when you're trying to run and gun and be in all these different places, that's what you want. And I was like, yes. <laughs> um, I very much the way that I like to write, I, I like to do a little like way of segueing into the world. Um, because you're coming from outside in your world out you're, you had to deal with parking. You had to deal with everything. You had to get your popcorn. You had to do whatever you, you sat down, you're at home, the dogs are barking. And what I'm trying to tell you in the beginning of this film is you're going to have to just chill the fuck out. You're going to have to go on this ride and just like, join me for a second. I'm going to take you. I got it, but come with me. Um, and, and kind of just floating through it. And that was kind of, Wanting to to stay, I mean, that's very much my voice in the opening of the film and being like, I'm giving you the information. And then once Rose hits, 
then we're in the movie for me. So that's just kind of my little, little way of setting it up. But that, it was very exciting. So that and the void uh, are actually scenes that I got to, because <laughs> everything else had to be so nimble. I got to shot list. I got to storyboard. I got to be very specific. I got to choreograph and I loved it because it was something that I just didn't get an opportunity to do for the rest of the film and something that I'm very excited to do more. So I love those sequences because they were exactly what was in my head and now they're there. And I have to say, Ariel Marks did the score and she did that opening hallway. And I, that piece, that's also a very Molly thing to do. I love music and I love just like everybody settle. We're going to sit in some darkness. You're going to have to like, let it come to you. And let's listen to some good music for a second. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, again, let's, let's talk about music real quick. Just the musical tone of this thing. That's a very, this is a very hard piece to nail musically because of the tone and the emotional journey that you take us on there's times where after uh, rose wakes up in the tub for him from her tub nap and it gets whimsical and chaotic it's just one of my favorite cues in the film or you have those times when it's kind of the gentle uh, bells and chimes and things that, that uh, bring it it's just a beautiful beautiful polarity what was the kind of overall vision how did you build that journey musically for us i love score this is might surprise people might not i don't know but i i i love music i love score it was very funny because uh my father actually saw a very early cut the assembly and he was like i don't think you need much music and i'm like i want all the music (laughs) um you know he did come in and he wrote a couple of pieces and it's always very upsetting he did this on my first film do not disturb too uh he comes in i'll just do not disturb he watches the movie before he does anything else he stands up and he walks out of the room and he goes to his studio doesn't say a single (laughs) word to me and i'm you're terrified you're showing your father this is a huge deal and he comes back in 20 minutes later and i said and and he's like it, it, it made me think of something. So I wrote a little theme and I was like, and, and he goes, come back in a week and you can listen to it. And I was like, what do you mean? And he's like, you're a real filmmaker now. Come back in a week. What did I do? I showed up and I listened to it and I gave him a lot of notes because I was like, I'm not so sure about this. Sure enough. I'm a real filmmaker now. Here's your yeah, notes. Yeah. <laughs> um, but he, did, he listened to this and he wrote a couple of pieces that I, I loved and I think really understood the heart of what this film was. Uh, but the bulk of it was created by Ariel Marks, who... I feel like was on a razor's edge the entire time with this score with the, it could have teetered into melodrama so quickly. And she, and I wanted those strings, but she held them back and she was so good at being restrained and then growing when it was necessary. It was a joyous experience to work with her and to have a couple of elements from my father. And then Danny Parker, another brother, came in. My little brother's a, a songwriter. And actually, when we were in um, Tucumcari, New Mexico, filming, I was telling him about the movie. He was like, how's it going? How's it going? And I was, and what's the film about? And I was telling him about it. He was like, it's so weird. I just, I just wrote this song the other day about similar themes. And I played it for Molly. And it's in the end credits of her. Everything credits will change, right? 
Yeah. Yeah, it's beautiful. Yeah, it's so good. Yeah. Really crazy. And then he I wrote another another song that's in the bar, right? The Teddy the Teddy Bar sequence. That song that was written by him because I wanted uh I wanted music that could play in a bar, but I wanted it to play like film score. And so he wrote that song. Like and I love it and it was so perfect i i couldn't believe that he nailed it but also that everything will change when i listened to it i was like oh did you give him the script and yeah. she's like no and i was like did you tell him about the role and she's like no and i'm like how does he know <laughs> it was like it was so weird so on magic the nose. magic meant to be that's so cool it, was it really cool. was well so, as as we uh get to the end here we gotta let you guys go but uh katie what I would imagine no matter what role that you end up playing, because you surrender yourself so much to these characters that you bring a little bit of each one with you. What from Rose did you bring with you? Are there any revelations, any, any, any profound things that you've gotten from her journey, going through her journey on this film to uh, bring home to your, to your real life? I just imagined a ghost float next to you and it was <laughs> amazing. And you're like, hi. <laughs> yeah. What a beautiful question. I I think Rose taught me that it that it's okay to to die to be reborn and that this cycle is something we're so uncomfortable with in our culture but we know it to be true when something starts it's going to end. We that's just the cycle. So whatever kind of pain that comes up for you, if you move through it and allow it to die, you can be reborn on the other side. And that's what I really took away from the, st the story Next Exit tells, but also Rose's journey, that it's okay to feel like you're in pieces, just stay, stay with it. And that there's a, there's a chance to, be, to become something new in the end. Stunning. I love that. I love yeah. that. Yeah. All right, you guys. Well, final question. What's up next? Katie, I know you're you're in uh, the fall of the House of Usher, still working on that, I'm assuming. Yeah, still working on that. It's going to be so cool. I don't know when it's going to come out, but I'm so stoked for when it does. And then I'll be in another Mike Flanagan show, The Midnight Club, which yeah. should come out, I think, around this fall. I'm not yes, entirely yeah. sure. I think it's, you guys might know more than I do. <laughs> I don't like it. <laughs> I'm confused. There's so There's much, so much coming up. Yeah, I'm excited for all of it. But yeah, I have no idea what's going on. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Otherwise, just, yeah, just hitting it hard with the auditions and yeah. hopefully, yeah, something else will pop up. And how about you, Molly? What's uh, what else you got brewing? I keep hearing that there's actually going to be that you're going to actually make Axe Wound for, we for real. Is that is that true? Axe wound? Yeah. Oh God, I would love to. Rachel uh, Milligan. Yeah. <laughs> I love Axe wound. I want to make it so badly. Uh, can you tell Marvel and Sony to stop casting Karen in giant films? That take right. her out of franchises. Right. She's like, it, it is what yeah. it is. It, I mean, it's going to break people's brains. Uh, but we just need a chance to actually. We need a window to actually make it, and I just yeah. can't get her freed up in her schedule long enough. So uh, you can you can ask the higher ups. Cause that's the problem. Yeah, I, I, I don't really have control over those, but that will get made. It is a brilliant film. Um, I'm producing another project for Laura Moss, uh, modern day retelling of Mary Shelley's Frankenstein. Ooh, uh, wow! We'll be doing that very soon. Nice. Um, I think we're gonna announce. I don't think it's announced yet. So you know. 
have some fun with that. Um, and then I will be directing again and I will be announcing that one soon and it will be horror and it will be really fun. And there are ghosts. Amazing. Yay. And yes. how about um, immersive yes. theater, more immersive theater on the desk? Actually, Yes. So that same group, all of them, witches. Uh, we will be coming back together and we do have a show that we were in the process of writing right now, which I'm incredibly excited about. Uh, and I'm not sure if that'll be later this year or top of next, but we will be doing a new show. Oh, very cool. And anyone listening, if you're not yeah. familiar with Arcana, you can go check it out on Instagram right now. You can kind of follow the pathway and kind of relive that story if you haven't experienced it for the first time. It's very much alive. I think we have a walkthrough. If you go to arcana-game.com and you can actually walk through the whole experience just to see what we did. So cool. And that was a bounce back. But I just want to know if you guys kept anything from the production. Always a good question. Well, this is a photo. For, I don't know if you caught this. These yeah. are my little ghosts in the background that I like to hide. I, I hide them on a, a lot of backgrounds of the shots. Yeah. And this this yeah. is one of the images of them. Oh, that's awesome. Um, I also have, I don't know if you guys noticed. My life. Nice. Oh, nice. <laughs> so great. Nice. Uh, from, yeah. uh, from Karen's desk at the start of the movie. Yeah, yeah. That's great. <laughs> that's great. How about you, Katie? Nice. Snag any wardrobe or anything on the way? Yes, I loved her wardrobe. So yeah. anything I could get, I was like, can I have this? Can I take this? I really want those boots, the bloodstone boots. Oh, cool. <laughs> those are good boots, yeah. Very yeah. endearment. She killed it. I want those boots. They might be... Uh, we can, we'll talk. <laughs> awesome, you guys. Well, it's been a delight. Thank you so much for taking the time to do this. Thanks for making this wonderful movie. We can't wait for everybody to experience yes. it. Thank you for listening to our chat with Molly Elfman and Katie Parker, whose new film, Next Exit, at time of release, opens at Tribeca June 10th. And now... We have a conversation about Monster Palooza, but you are going to listen... It already started because we're now going back to the past. I feel like it's back to the future. Yeah, yeah. we're now going back to the past to join our conversation about Monster Palooza already in progress. <laughs> That's right. See, I am smart. Is this what is this like a multiverse thing, Leo? Leo's yeah, left the conversation. Leo's, Leo's gone. Leo has left the conversation. Yeah. Feature Leo says, "Yeah, it could be if you wanted to." Yeah. Oh my god! All right, make a sound effect so it sounds like we're going into the future. <laughs> we wanted to just do a quick wrap up of our experience at Monster Palooza. This is a convention that happens annually. Out here in the L.A. area in Pasadena, it happened this past weekend, June 3rd, 4th, and 5th. And there's that one and Midsummer Scream, kind of the two flagship monster and horror conventions out in this area. And we have a blast at both of them. And Monster Palooza obviously had been gone for the past two years. They were back this year. We were lucky enough to have a booth there. And... We met a ton of people. It was an amazing time. It was really, really fun. I, at first, I'm just, I'm going to be honest. I was like, we have to, we have to go through the garage. We have to get all the bins out. Right. We have to set up a booth. Like if you've ever done this, it's exhausting. Like planning it out, making sure we have to take props out of our house, make sure they don't get damaged. 
And, and, and our setup is nothing. I mean, when you go to these yeah. these conventions, there's, oh yeah. gosh, ours is nothing compared to all these people, their life-size yeah. stats, yeah. like eight or nine life-size things and all the merchandise. Right. I, I don't understand how. But I think they do a lot and they're like a well-oiled machine. Yeah, that's true. And so they've got it on lock. Right. Us. We're amateurs. Yeah, we don't know what the hell is going on. We don't know what we're doing. We don't know what anything is. Yeah. We're, we're in a minivan. Yeah. I mean, let's be well, real. Well, we're like that. I mean, like Lauren and I, I remember when we went to Vegas. Remember the first time we went to Vegas together? We didn't have luggage, so we brought oh we brought all our stuff in green Please garbage bags. <laughs> Everyone was laughing at us as we're walking wow. into like God. you know whatever you know Excalibur or whatever it was with That's gar with just... fucking garbage bags, Leo. Like they're breaking <laughs> on the way we parked in the. Oh my god! Oh my god! Yeah, we, hope... we didn't do the valet parking thing, right? We did the park yourself and carry the garbage bags into the the hotel. Yeah. God, I hope. My That's hilarious. Family isn't listening. What? They would be like, "What the hell is wrong with you?" <laughs> it was a while funny. before we even bought luggage. I think. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know why you just. Yeah. Well, but, uh, because it's that's kind of how we roll when it comes to even convention <laughs> stuff. So I remember Leo was like, "Why don't you guys just get bins for a while?" Remember, because the bulk of the stuffs here, yeah. and that took us a yeah. while to get to get that. Remember the first couple ones? It was bags and carrying things up one by one. Oh gosh! But we've you know each time we learn a little bit more. Yeah. So this time was almost all bins, but yeah, for us everything's everything's harder for us. Yeah, <laughs> we're just not very smart. <laughs> that is true. This is very true. That's funny. And then our babysitter who I booked. Oh yeah. For six months, got COVID. Of course. And, and she couldn't come. Of course. So then I was scrambling oh, to find someone. Yeah. And our 13-year-old was on a class trip in Europe, so she couldn't help, like, fill in the holes because she's very responsible. Mm -hmm. She helps us out. She's gone. So let's hear it for babysitter Christina, who rallied and came. And Oh, yeah, that was on Saturday. And that's why I wasn't, we weren't there together for a lot of the, the weekend, Lauren and I, anyway. Leo was there for the long haul, and Lauren and I were just kind of, Switching yeah, off. figuring out it, it, one of us would take care of the kids, one of us would be at the convention. So yeah, but and then Uncle Ricky and Auntie Lynn, they yep, they came through too. They saved us on Sunday. Nice. We wouldn't be Saturday. able to do it on on the Saturday. Nice. right. Yeah, we wouldn't be able to do it. Um, but anyway, so uh, that was our Monster Palooza. But we didn't get to talk about the the people that were so kind enough to yes. come up and say hey at our booth, and so, they made it worth it. For sure. Yeah. Oh my God. Incredible. Yeah. I mean, too many. I mean, there's just too many to list. There's so many people that came up and it was so nice to meet new faces because we, we know, uh, you know, a large number of them from previous, the previous time we were there in 2019, mm -hmm. but all these new faces and just hearing, you know, like, Hey, you know, we love what you're doing and, you know, engaging with them. Like, Hey, what's your favorite horror movie? You know, what do you like? What's going, you know, and it was just some great conversations all weekend long. That's what I notice about these things, too, is that you can literally talk to anybody who's walking around at, a, at an event like that, and you can start up a conversation, because they're all, they all have this exact same interest as you, right? We're all in this together. Yeah. So, and yeah. there's, there's not many communities, I think, that are like that, so that was, that was really, really cool. 
But yeah, let's talk about a couple people who came up and said, hey, that we had some great conversations with that uh, and listeners of the show who came up. I'm going to mention two that I didn't get a chance to talk to and I'm really bummed out. I think this is maybe Sunday morning was Rachel Trigg and Kyle Knopf. Yes. And they are two. Yes. They're filmmakers. Yes. They were so nice. I'm really bummed I didn't get to meet them. And they they run Bad Juju Productions is the name of their company. And I saw some shorts and things that they they put together. And they're really, really incredible. And uh, was it one one recent short uh, got an official selection? It was the the Buckaboo. And I want to see this really, really bad. And all their stuff, their reels and the, and the teasers for uh, the Buckaboo I checked out look so awesome. And I just want to say I'm really bummed I didn't get a chance to say hey myself. So this is me saying hey. And hopefully we do it again next time. And hopefully we get to have you guys on the show eventually as well. Because I yeah. think uh, it's so important to watch and support and give the creators of anything in this genre your attention as they're bringing these stories to life because in supporting them you pave the way for even more horror content so we got to rally behind anybody creating in this space because it just benefits everybody in the long run so yeah rachel and kyle how you doing thank you so much for coming to say hey I'm sorry I yeah. missed you guys. And I know uh, Lauren and Leo, I think you both had a chance to talk to him. Didn't yeah, you guys? definitely. Yeah. And I, yeah. I kept saying, I'm so sorry. Trevor's not here. Like, yeah. you know, we're trying to like split up time because we had babysitter issues, but they were super cool and super nice. And I really enjoyed talking to them. Anyone else you guys can think of shouting out? Um, I really, one of my fa- <laughs> favorite people is well two of them jerry and sherry and i oh, love J- j2 motherfucker that's right, right. That's yeah right. on instagram see i know a lot of just but from instagram <laughs> oh, names boy, right jerry right. i'm sorry j2 motherfucker yeah. that's yeah because i that's why, see, that's why people look at me that's why people look at you know because i was asking you know they're like hey my name is jerry right and i'm like jerry you know jerry what you know yeah, they're looking yeah, at me yeah. like what's this guy asking yeah because i want to know what they go by online because right. i don't know their right. names exactly yeah time. yeah yeah i was like oh jerry g2 underscore m you know like yeah. i was just yeah you know that's how but jerry is so awesome i had such a great conversation we with live him vicariously his, through j2 mfers instagram page oh my gosh him and his family they yeah. do they everything do it all. Yeah. i just like they go to like star wars celebration then they'll be at nam then the next day they'll be on a hike yeah. and then they'll be at monster palooza reign of terror and doing all this stuff yeah. yeah i use his instagram account as a barometer for what i should be at <laughs> yeah <laughs> and, what, right. and what we missed out on i'm like right. oh That's man funny. that yeah. looked really cool but yeah he's he's such a really nice guy and he's yeah. been such a supporter since like really early on and you know we see him at every convention and he always comes over and says hi and how much he loves the show and you know he's just he's awesome and so was sherry i mean she won an award for being this amazing 
I something having to do with a school. Sorry, Sherry. I like my brain is broken. I don't even know how late it is, but uh, you know, you have three kids, so it burns your brain. Um, but she's just awesome too. They're just great people, super kind, super fun, and I love this family. You know, anyone who comes up to the booth, I just I want to, to be friends with instantly because we all we always have so much in common. Yeah. If you're listening to this show, we want to be your friend. <laughs> yeah. Come, yeah. come on over. Yeah. I think we invited right. almost everybody over yeah, to yeah. the right. studio. Pretty much did. Leo, yeah, do you, it was a party brewing. Yeah, exactly. Leo, do you have any I don't even live there. I invited people over. Right, see? Thanks, Leo. Yeah, you're allowed. <laughs> it's fine. It's, it's, your, it's your space. So, Leo, anybody right. you can think of uh, that, that you had a chance to meet? Yeah. Uh, I think, I, you know, I, I, we talk all the time online and... It's our favorite grade school teacher, who's a big spooky horror fan, uh, Sarah Caitlin and her and her fiance Patrick. That's they were right. Really kind yes. and nice. Drop yeah. by. Yeah. Oh, they're getting married in October. That's like yes. the coolest time. Yeah, that is very yep. cool. I want my yeah. kids to have her, even though she doesn't teach at our school. But she must <laughs> be right. such an incredible teacher. She's just adorable. She is. And she's so kind and I love that she loves horror and yeah. her fiance, Patrick, he is just so nice and he's a listener too. I mean, they are just the cutest couple and they're, oh, I just love them. I just want to hang out with them. You guys, let's go to dinner. <laughs> right. <laughs> let's do it. Now we're throwing dinner parties. Yes. So let's go to dinner. Right. After you guys aren't married, because I know it's probably really stressful right now. Um, planning. They're getting married in Big Bear. Um, so after the wedding, let's go and celebrate. I, we gotta do something probably before with everybody that we're talking about. Yeah. Like literally have yeah. some sort of party. We gotta do right. it. We gotta do it. Okay, let's do it. Yeah. We'll have to do a couple more conventions so we can meet you listening right now who we haven't had a chance to meet yet right. so we can invite you too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, I know we've probably been yapping for like 20 minutes, but there's still more. There's still more. Um, oh, yeah. Uh, Layla Vormatog came up to us. Oh, she's so And cool. she was yes. so, so nice and so, so talented. I urge you listening right now to check out Layla's.designs on Instagram and she makes custom made clothing like incredible stuff and she was showing us on her page and everything and she's just the sweetest person oh. and Layla thank you so much for coming up and saying hey and thank you for listening to this show and and please don't stop listening <laughs> yeah after this she showed us a really cool she showed us a really cool dress that she made remember was yep. it the um was it a Freddy Krueger dress? Yeah, it was. Yes, it was. Oh, I think it was. was. Right, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was. It was, it was like a horror yeah. inspired, a horror inspired dress. Yeah, that was that yeah. was Layla. Yeah, it was incredible. Um, let's see. Uh, there's a couple more on my list. Uh, Chris Purcell, longtime listener, radio guy. Remember, he had the 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 golden voice. He was doing yes. uh, his yes. voiceovers for us. I That's thought you were right. going to say, right. like, long-time listener, first-time caller. No. Yeah. <laughs> right. Um, and he's a great sculptor. Yes, he makes these crazy That's awesome. statues. Yeah, yeah. Who and knew? He, should, uh, he should be getting his own booth at one of these conventions soon because he is extraordinarily talented. And if you want to see his work, C.H. Purcell on Instagram. That's awesome. And speaking of sculptors and creators, 
I missed this one. I missed Kayla Arena, who you had a chance. I think, Lauren, you had a chance to talk to. We had oh, something from the movie Kayla. It on our... Um, we had uh, at our booth yeah yeah we so, had a bust yeah. of pennywise of the face appliance yeah it, it's super cool and she is so it's Kayla, ta- right did i get the name right yes okay she's so talented and i just i love that women are in this field using their creativity and making prosthetics and monsters and she just kicks ass because there's a lot of men doing it and to see her out there doing her thing and amazing stuff. I oh, was just yeah. so inspired by her and her work. And I mean, her list of credits is insane. I mean, so she worked on it. That's what I think brought her to the booth because some people had yeah. some of the effects people had yeah. been talking. Oh, I think they have a prosthetic from it. So she worked on it. She did Chapel Weight. She did some superhero movies. She do, did The Boys, that series right now. She did Nightmare Alley. She did Lock and Key, brand new cherry flavor. The list, Just a few. The list goes on. Yeah. yeah. All the good stuff. Man. Yeah. Prime yeah. shit. Kayla Arena. You can follow her on Instagram. She's incredible. We're we going to have her on the show. Yeah, we got to have her on the show because I'm, I just adore her and her work. It's just... If you go to her Instagram page, you will be like, oh, my gosh. Uh, Leo, anyone else that you can shout out that you can think of? Yeah, definitely. Our our friends from the very, very beginning, uh, Joe Risotto and Karen Payton. Yes. Um, Yes. I I miss them. It's always fun seeing them because it's like it's like they're always they're always on the hunt for like, you know, cool artwork Mm -hmm. or, you know, or, you know, meeting some of these, um, you know, some of our favorite actors from these, you know, from our, from these franchises, you know, they're always on the hunt for some, all these cool stuff, but, and and they're both artists, by the way, and amazing. And, and Joe's just phenomenal. He's, he's got like practically a, you know, a lifetime residency now at uh, Sugarman gallery. Yeah, Yeah, he does. Um, he's, he's been displaying there like nonstop now, some cool stuff. You can find his artwork, um, at uh, down to clown dot shop. You can see his work there and you know also Sugarman Gallery, you know, dot com. We have his stuff on display right now. Um but yeah, awesome, awesome friends of ours that uh yeah, they've been big supporters and big horror fans and just uh it's always inspiring to chat with them. You know? Oh yeah. I think I talked to Joe for yeah. I think I talked to Zeroff. I was like, I feel bad, Joe. Um, I'm sorry I took all your time. <laughs> right. I think I talked to him for like an hour easily. Yeah, I, lo- I love talking to those two. Yeah. They're so, so nice. And you see them at all yeah. the events too. They go to everything. Joe's has that long, luscious, curly hair. Very handsome. Yeah. Yes. Very handsome. And I'm They're very really sad great people, great that people. I miss them. Yeah, yeah. That was that was one of the Boo. one of the friends that you had to miss. Yes. Next, well, next time we'll make sure that we have a babysitter uh, issue on lock and yes. you know, backups. Um, I did talk to I think it's Dora, who is Doris Boris. <laughs> Who, Doris, yeah, yeah. She was amazing to speak with, and she gave us a parking tip on where to get really good parking. And I'm always <laughs> gonna keep that in my back pocket when I'm in Pasadena. Is that a little secret? You're not gonna, you're not gonna no. share it here. No, 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 no. no. <laughs> I don't yeah, even know this secret. I know. I heard. I overheard. I'm like, I'm, I'm saving that one because I got ripped off. Damn it. Oh yeah, you you ended up in a forty dollar <laughs> lot at some point, didn't you, Leo? Yeah, and then I find out that it wasn't, and I was just like, uh, some jerk off took my money, but whatever. Oh, you know, man. Yeah. But Doris was super cool. 
she was there with her daughter on the second day and she was just so nice and so positive and I just really loved talking to her. You know, let's see, we're about 25 minutes in. So if you're listening and you don't care about what we're talking about, you're probably like, oh my gosh, shut the hell up. Get to the interview. (laughs) But there's just a couple. There's more. There's a couple more to go. Stick with us. It'll it'll pay off when you hear Molly and Katie. Okay. Right. David, Alethea, Mina, and... Oh. Brenda. 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 And, and oh Wendy. And I, Wendy. I feel so bad. I feel so bad. I'm I'm so sorry. Brenda. 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 And we said, remember we tried to learn everybody's name. And yeah. I still, yeah, I still, I still yeah. messed it up. Anyway. I, I still call our kids each other's <laughs> name or even names that aren't any of their names. I, I do the yeah. same thing. So. Thank all of you so much for coming up and yeah. saying, hey. Uh, you were a shining light for us over the weekend, and and uh, David and Alicia actually gave some questions that we used in our Robert England interview that'll be out very very yeah. soon. Yes, and we shouted yep. them out in that interview as well. Again, that whole group incredible. I was talking their ear off about uh, trips to Orlando. They're going to be doing Halloween Horror Nights out there, which I'm so jealous of. They said the mazes are longer over there and like sounds fun. Maybe a little bit better. I'm I'm down to try it. I am down to try and they do every escape room out there. We got to set something up where we all go with them and we have a great old time. I'm excited. Yeah, I'm in. And uh, one person we have to shout out is Lucy Dietz. I don't know if you had a chance to meet Lucy, uh, Lauren. I know Leo and I did. Did you Did yeah. you talk to Lucy? So she makes the replicas of Sam from Trick or Treat, his chocolate bar with the razor blade. The, yes. the Holly Ho chocolate bar with the razor right. blades. I remember yeah, I was yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Lucy makes those. And she's got her own yeah. Etsy shop. And she also does custom dolls. That's right. The horror dolls. Yeah. Ugh, yeah. So cool. So she's got like a, a scream doll that she was selling on her Etsy page. She designs like the box work for the box art. She removes the hair even and really repurposes Barbie dolls and creates horror dolls out of them incredible work you can follow her at valley of the ghouls that's with an extra s at the end on instagram to see her amazing artwork thank you again for listening to our show it was so freaking awesome to meet you we are such massive fans of your work yeah and um yeah i i'm really inspired by all these people and their love of horror yeah it's just so cool and refreshing and everybody had a new spin on every like different movies that i thought of a certain way and then i'd have a conversation with someone else and they would say things that i never thought of and i'm like wait you're right so i really enjoyed those conversations mm-hmm. yeah every single conversation i had yeah with every and by, oh, by the way and then uh and lucy showed us her badass tattoo on her leg oh, of yeah. vampira Oh. That was uh, tattooed by none other, other than Cat Von D. Cat Von D. Cat Von D. Yeah. So cool. Yeah. It was insanely amazing work as yeah. well as, as yep. you'd expect. Right. Yeah. 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 No, definitely. I feel like we could talk about people 
for the next like five hours. Yeah. And and I feel bad for anybody that we met that we didn't talk about. We love all of you. And we just were so lucky to have met you. Mm-hmm. And there was someone that I met and I can't remember her name. And I apologize, but she had really cool purple hair and glasses. And we had such a great conversation. And I'm racking my brain trying to remember her name. If that's you and you're on Instagram, DM us and let us know that that was you. Yeah. <laughs> right. And I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> and, yeah, and, and, you know, again, if you're listening and you have no idea what we're talking about or don't care on behalf of the show, I apologize. But it really meant a lot to us to give each of those people who did come up to us their moment on the show. And uh, again, just to say how much we appreciate you. And it's uh, only because of this show that we were lucky enough to get a chance to meet you uh, because, uh, yeah, I'm I'm sure <laughs> we're not cool enough that <laughs> we'd ever get a chance to meet any of you in any other way. <laughs> yeah. right. now, now, to bring this back to horror movies, I got to say, in all those conversations, there were two movies, I think, that the three of us all talked found ourselves talking about quite a lot. Leo, do you know what those two movies were? Oh, I know. Lauren knows. Leo, the ones that I kept mentioning are the two that are not out yet. Yeah. Yeah, that's the, those are the ones. And that's uh, Two Witches. Yep. By Pierre Stigarides and um, of course our favorite Utah husband and wife uh, duo who made Deadstream. Yeah, Joseph and Vanessa Winter. Yes. Yes. Two movies. I <sighs> I mean, it's been... I am so excited for both these to come out. And we know that Deadstream got picked up by Shudder. We know that Two Witches is supposed to come out in October. And uh, I just got to say, if you haven't had the chance to see either of those films at a festival, because they, they have been doing the festival circuit... I know Deadstream did Overlook this past weekend and Two Witches is out there as well on the circuit. If a festival's a horror festival is coming by you or a film festival, double check and see if one of those movies Deadstream or Two Witches is playing at that festival. If it is, if it's virtual, find a way to watch it. If it's in person and you feel safe enough at, at, at the theater or whatever you want to go and check it out in person, if you're in that space, go check it out. You will not regret it. These two no. movies are Incredible. some of the, some of the best horror films that have come out in decades. Like they are yeah. on the list, wouldn't you say? Yeah, definitely. Yes, they're really good. <laughs> I thought you were going to say something else, something profound. Oh, something really. Okay, wait, wait. wait. I'm going to say something really profound. <laughs> okay. My kid taught me the other day. Oh my what gosh. E equals MC squared. What the? <laughs> no. Your kid taught you that? I'm not going to edit this out, Lauren. So oh, it's going in. We got <laughs> Wait. Houston, we have problems here. <laughs> She's seven. Wow. Um, I didn't know what it meant. What does it mean? Energy equals, equals mass, mass times the speed of light. Is that true? Speed of light squared. Yes, yes that's squared. Correct. Yeah, she says that too. And I was like, wow, that's really smart. <laughs> and then I asked Alexa and she confirmed. And I was like, wow, this kid definitely did not get my brain. 
<laughs> None of them. And that's not. your profound thing to say about Deadstream uh, no, and Two Witches. No, really amazing films from... Surprise hit of the year. Just people that don't have a ton of movies out, right? I just, if I felt like if I made a movie, ooh. Your first one wouldn't oh be... Uh, no. No? No, it just would not. And that's why I don't make movies. Right, I couldn't, I couldn't. I could never make one. I t- I, dude, I tell everybody, go, look, the first 30 seconds of Deadstream, there's more in the, thir- the first 30 seconds than I can even ever film in like a year. Yeah. And yeah. I, I, I won't even tell you or spoil It's just hilarious it's what so- Vanessa and uh, Joe did. Oh, it's, it's unbelievable. Just, and not, on, not only hilarious, but also sca- like some of the scariest... <laughs> scariest scenes that I've ever seen are I jumped. in Deadstream. Yeah. That and then yeah. Two Witches is just pure horror. Yeah. I mean, right. that, again, there are moments in Two Witches that have scared me in ways that no other movie has. I'll say it. Yep. I'll say it like that. It's it, yeah. masterful. Masterfully done. That and, and Deadstream. Yeah. Now I want to go yeah. watch that. Right? Yeah, and great, great performances. I mean, by Rebecca Kennedy, she's great in it, and Christina oh, Klebe. Um, Christina Klebe, yeah, crazy movie. A nice, fun take on a uh, on the whole witch, you know. Yep, yep. And uh, as soon as those movies come out, as we get closer to release, too, we'll have all of those people mm-hmm. hopefully on the show. We're, the only one stopping that is uh, once they find out that we want them on the show, maybe they won't want to be on the show. <laughs> Right. <laughs> They're like, like, oh, nah, the show no the show that spent 30 minutes talking about a convention? That show? Right. Yeah, we're no, not, no, we're not going to be on that show. Yeah. No. <laughs> right. yeah. No, not that show. That said, on yeah. with the show, and if you made it this far, you're oh my rewarded. Gosh, you need a medal. You're rewarded. <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey, before before we leave, I got I got two I got two more quick ones here. Okay, okay. Ones. All right, real quick. Our, I mean, the, the one that we've been watching because we both had the same reaction when we saw her. Our favorite fire breather, Olivia Grace Morales. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we started yes. walking by. We were like, yes. hey, we, we follow all you, you on Instagram. Yeah. She, she <laughs> right. breathes fire. Yeah. The fire breather. Pretty wild stuff. Did I miss her? Yeah. Pretty. I, you might have missed her, oh. but yeah. You might have. <laughs> Leo and I were like, how do, yeah. you, how do you practice getting good at breathing fire? Your first couple times practicing, oh. the rehearsal, the rehearsing part of fire breathing oh, must geez. really yeah. suck because you're yeah. going to mess up a couple times, right? As you're learning the ropes of fire breathing. That's a tough. Dude, I'm gonna, I'm, so what'd she shit. say? <laughs> well, we didn't ask her. Leo and no, I were, we were just, just talking. Yeah. That, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That would have been a I was, I, was my, I was nervous around her. I didn't know what to what? say. You thought she was yeah. going to catch you on fire? I what was are you? nervous. <laughs> no, I was. I was nervous. No, but, Just because but I don't know. I get, like, uh, she's a fire breather. It's, it's cool. Yeah. Cooler than I, was I thinking, am. Man, with, my, with my luck, I would hiccup and kaboom. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, that'd be the end of me, you know? Yeah. It's she, dangerous. And uh, the other two, man, Michael and Jessica from uh, Grim Life Collective. Oh yeah! Yes, they are great. Those guys are Gosh. awesome. They're yeah. so nice. <laughs> and if you don't, if you're listening, you don't know Grim Life Collective. Go on YouTube right now. They're incredible horror travel vloggers. They visit true crime locations. They visit horror centric places. They visit a prop store. And Lauren popped in okay. on that video too. Mm-mm. You gotta watch that. Nope, yes. you don't. Yes, yep. <laughs> Grim Life Collective. God. Michael and yeah. Jessica. 
Yeah, funny story. I, I met I met them because remember I got there early for season screamings in December. Oh yeah, uh, that was what mid- midsummer. With, uh, Zach midsummer scream put that on. By the way, yeah, yeah, we we had a chat with um, uh, Zach Galligan, um, yep. live live audience there, and uh, I got there early, so I had no idea who they were because they were chatting with Liana Vamp, and I was waiting just to say hi to Liana because you know we're all friends, right? And and they were like, oh well, we'll see you later. They walked away, and I was chatting with Liana for a while, and then I walked away, and I realized. Wait a minute! I know those guys because I watched their videos, the Grim Life, uh, you know, uh, duo, you know. No, and, and I couldn't remember their names. And I'm like, how do I not know their names? So of course I saw them because she has the bright, like green hair. Yeah, and uh, and he's very tall. <clears throat> and they were walking, and, and here I am running after them, and I'm like, hey. Hey, baby ghoul, baby ghoul. Is that what you said? And she looked, yeah. Yes. Oh, God. And now it was, you know, there's December a restraining and order. Yes. Right, yeah. right. <laughs> right. You know, we're all wearing masks, right? Because it was still COVID. Yeah, yeah. You know, it was still, you know, and, and she turned around and, and now I'm like, hey, I, I watched your video on the Black Dahlia and it was my high school. And this and, and they were like, hey. So that's how, that's how I became, like, that's how the whole thing started with them. Like, I became, convers- you know, uh, friends with them immediately, like, just you know get it off immediately but it was so funny because i couldn't remember their names i'm like fuck here i am making a jackass on myself you know <laughs> baby ghoul baby ghoul <laughs> baby ghoul baby ghoul that's what he calls her by the way yeah. i know yeah, yeah, yeah. but yeah. you're not you know. supposed to call her i know that. Baby i know ghoul, i know <laughs> it's like you calling know, me it, uh, yeah 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 and like, you call yeah, him be a weird. pumpkin <laughs> right <laughs> hey the, baby pumpkin all, all you <laughs> remembered was baby ghoul <laughs> yeah, it had to. It, had to, it, it actually worked. <laughs> oh my god, people have tuned worked. out. By people now. have tuned out. Are you looking on your yeah. phone? Like you're looking at the stats? Are the stats of the podcast streaming live to your phone right now? <laughs> yeah, they're all. <laughs> oh, you, know, you know what? You know, oh, you we're know, losing you know followers, and we haven't even posted wait, wait. this yet. It's <laughs> that you bad. Know, you know who, <laughs> wait, you know who came up to us and I didn't recognize until he talked? <laughs> was direct. Director Rich Ragsdale oh, directed yeah. the Long Night and Ghost House with Scott Taylor Compton. That's right. He's he came amazing. up and he goes, "Hey, I was on your show," and I'm like, "No, you weren't." And I was like, "No, no, no, I know the voice." <laughs> I missed that. Oh man. Well, at this point, you didn't miss it because we're reliving every minute of every hour of Monster yes. Palooza on yeah. this this very right. show. All right, that was the Food Crew Podcast, episode 328. Special thanks to our guests, Molly Elfman and Katie Parker. Their new film, Next Exit, is having its world premiere at time of release, June 10th at Tribeca. Production tracks for this episode provided by Powerman 5000. Till next time, from me, Trevor. Lauren. Me, Leo. (laughs) It's the Food Crew saying... Sweet screams. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Boo Crew Podcast. Haunt the Boo Crew at TalesFromTheBooCrew.com. Tales from the Boo Crew on Facebook and Instagram. Follow us on Twitter at Tales from the Boo. The Boo Crew is Lauren and Trevor Shand and Leone D'Antonio. The Boo Crew is produced by Lauren Shand, chopped and sliced by Trevor Shand. The Boo Crew is a TSP creation, part of the bloody disgusting. Podcast Network. Bye. A bloody disgusting podcast network. Home of the Boo Crew. For horror-centric interviews. SCP archives. Weekly full cast storytelling.
horror queers, genre commentary from an LGBTQ perspective, and creepy or disturbing and terrifying creepy pastas. Listen free wherever you stream audio and at bloodydisgusting.com slash podcasts.